1: live. Hello, good evening, God bless.
0: Hey, God bless you, Papa. How you doing?
1: I'm doing fine. How you been?
0: I'm alright. Tired. Sorry, no, sorry. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs>
0: it's been that kind of day, especially today, but I I, I know I know y'all know. What was that? I know y'all know. I said it's been that it's been a uh uh that kind of day, that kind of exhausting oh, day. Yes. But I know y'all know
1: what it's like. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I good know. thing about the day is I finally um I finished my first job of the season, so that's completed.
2: Oh, and I'm wow. moving on to the
1: next one. Yeah. So well, I went fast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Hold on. Let me just. Oh, I supposed to have
0: this up already. Okay. so let me look at my notes. I know you have your notes, but I just want to make sure. What are doing, Okay. Okay, from last Tuesday.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know we're gonna talk about body, soul, and spirit, but um, let's, let's just say first. And if I could ask Amen. you to also talk
1: about the sixth day, but uh, let's just pray first. You want to pray, you want me to pray? Uh, I'll pray. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this time that you've given us, O Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord God, even for the assistance. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for the anointing. Lord God, I thank you for the gifting, oh God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you continue, Lord God, to be glorified, Lord God, even as we bounce things over each other, oh Lord. that everything that is said today, Lord God, be for your glory and your glory only, Lord God. And as we continue to pray, Lord God, for the best-sellers, Lord God, not just for us Lord God, but others as well, Lord God, that have connected themselves, Lord God, to sister and the singer, Lord God. Continue, Lord God, to bless, Lord God, everyone, Lord God, who comes through her, Lord God, and her way, oh God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, God, I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: All right. Thank you so much for that.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: So, um, body, soul, spirit break it down how you want to break it down. Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's uh I'll give you some some pointers, but it's just something that uh I guess, you know, you really can't tackle it in that mm-hmm. sense because it it's just so much that it entails. But yeah. mm-hmm. to, to to begin with to begin with, you know, the Bible tells us in Genesis that God created man in his image. And the first thing that you understand and you see is that, you know, God is a triune God. In other words, we understand that he is a father, he is the son, and he is the Holy Spirit. And as God himself has three parts to him, so does man. Man was created with three parts. So we call him tripartite man. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. his body, which is the vehicle that he uses to yield um, what his intellect, his psyche Uh, his consciousness is thinking about, then, of course, his consciousness, or what we refer to in biblical terms as the soul, is the part where, you know, his persona, who he is, this is where emotions come from, this is where um, not so much intuition, but not that comes from the spirit, but the soulish part is where emotions come from, it's where, um, uh, you know, character comes from, free will comes from that, um, your personality, who you are, all that comes from the soulish part. And believe it or not, that is the part that is saved when we in the, in the church refer to as being saved. That's the part right. that we save, the soulish part. And then, of course, right. you have a spirit, which is, uh, uh, I like to call it almost kind of like God's gene. It's, 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 it is the essence that that is of God. It is the part that gives us life, gives us animation. I like to say it is the part that Frankenstein could never really figure out. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but um, you know, each, each, each and every one of these uh, three has their own function, but of course, independently, uh, they cannot function. Uh, they all work together because of uh, the way man was designed. Uh, so if you if you really think about it, okay, God is called triune which means that he is complete, un or unified, or one, means that he's complete already. But uh, as men is referred to as uh, tripartite, meaning that we're a part, we're we're separate, we're three separate parts, and that's what we're trying to get to, is that we can, all these three parts can work together as Jesus did it. You know, when all these three parts work together as Jesus did it, this is where you can truly embrace uh, the authority and the power given to men uh, because a lot of things that we see in Jesus' life, a lot of people say, well, you know, when Jesus did that, you know, in his divinity, or, you know, he was God as well. But no, everything <laughs> that he did, he did in his humanity to be an example for us, to show us that we can also do it. Uh, our situation is, or our limitation is, that we have not joined these three uh, in conjunction together. So, you know, like I said, I can give you as much uh, as you can, but it, it's such a vast... Teaching such yeah, a nice understanding, awesome. so if you it, yeah, if you have questions, I could better zone it in okay. as opposed to just you know just tackling.
0: <laughs> no worries. Uh, so who's the leader of the being? Um, yeah, the leader of, of that the being. being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. The leader of the being, of course, uh, believe it or not, is um is the soulish part that is where your free will goes in. So so even though the spirit of man um has the intuition, it has what we like to call the consciousness, it has um your morality. So so you you're believe it or not, you're born with um I like to call it a footprint or an imprint of right and wrong because the spirit itself uh is inside of you. And this spirit that is inside man is not the Holy Spirit, this is the spirit of man given to God. Through creation. So, you know, it is not the same as when we receive the Holy Spirit, you know, and the Bible speaks about it in Pentecost and stuff like that. So so this spirit, believe it or not, knows the will of God, is what we use to communicate with God. Uh, you know, when we talked about the cool of the day, communion with God and having an intimacy, that is that spirit part. The soulish part, believe it or not, is in charge because the soulish now has to yield either to the spirit or to the flesh. So um, we know that because of sin, the Bible says sin was sown into the flesh. Paul said nothing good dwells in the flesh. Because sin was sown into the flesh, what what Satan tried to do was um, sabotage the vehicle that men needed to subdue and have dominion over the world. Without the body, men cannot subdue the world. So it's almost kind of like, you know, you need your car to get to work and Satan comes in and puts sugar in your gas tank.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You understand? So so this is why, believe it or not, um, most of the things that the enemy uses to entice us is outer. It's outer. It's, it is something that, um, I don't want to say benefits, but more influences the vehicle. He told Jesus, if you're hungry, you know, he said, you know, if you bow down to me, I'll give you. Uh, he says, everything that you can see, you know, uh, I, I can give you all these, and so he always wants to entice the vehicle because he knows with, <clears throat> he knows without the vehicle you cannot fulfill the purpose of God. This is why um, the whole purpose of the gospel is to try to get people saved while they're still alive, not when they're dead. You cannot save somebody who has died in sin
2: mm-hmm.
1: because what you're trying to uh, to do is get that person to have a mindset or repentance. And therefore, yield that vehicle for good uh, instead of for evil. So the soulish part is the one that is in charge because it chooses to either listen to the spirit, to the guidance of the spirit, uh, the spirit man, or the the, the spirit of man rather. Uh, then the soulish, uh, the soul can decide what to do. Okay, you know, I'm going to live right. Uh, I'm going to do the best that I could. Um, you know, I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to praise God. Um, but the soulish, the body also has its appetite, and the soul can also appease the flesh. So, you know, there are essential things that the body feels, and through the senses that God has given us, the five senses, feeling, touching, smelling, seeing, hearing, through those five senses we receive information from the outside world to our soulless realm. So, for example, your body tells you it's hungry, that's feeling, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, you grab an apple,
1: yeah, you, you see it, uh, you see an apple, you see it's good to eat, you grab it, you bite it, it tastes good, you swallow it, it smells good, all these things. So then now you have turned, um, I like to call that that uh, outside energy now into inside energy through the five senses. Uh, what happens now is that Satan has sowed uh, discourse and an increase of lust, of appetite, of pride, of ego into the body and then therefore man is appeasing the flesh in the things that he was never supposed to appease the flesh in. So therefore, the soul is now catering to the flesh, and it has no time to listen to the spirit. So what happens is uh, Paul says that the spirit of man has become deadened. Not that it has uh, perished because we know it's eternal, but it has become weakened. So almost, a so man carries his spirit or the spirit of man like an accessory. Almost like if you were to buy purse, but you really have nothing in that purse. You just want to have, carry it because it looks good with your outfit. Okay. So man, man before Jesus, uh, his spirit man is almost like an accessory. It, it was just there, mm-hmm. but man wasn't listening to it. Man wasn't yielding to it. Man wasn't getting revelation. Man was not using it to commune. With God. Only a few. You know, those who have said, the, by, every, anytime you see in the Bible where they communicated with God, it said the Holy Spirit came upon. So then now yeah. the Holy Spirit comes through Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit revives your spirit man. So your oh. Holy Spirit lives inside your spirit man. Your spirit man now is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's when God says, I'm going to write my laws and my commandments in your heart. Your heart is not your soul, but it is the heart of your soul, which is the spirit man. So the Holy Spirit lives inside your spirit man. Your spirit man now has been awakened from being in coma all this year, has been awakened, and then now starts to convict your soul. Your soul, through that conviction, now repents and sacrifices the lust of the flesh.
0: Okay. Um... (sighs) Okay. Okay. Anything else you want to
1: add to that? Um, like like I said, it's just... It's so vast. It's just so much... Yeah, it's so vast. Yeah. And you'll see when we start doing our teaching, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's just so vast and there's so much revelation behind it, it that there's no really, no one way where you can just, you know, you know put it in a nutshell, you know, this is what this is. But, you know, it, if I were to explain it, it's like you ever seen like those Russian dolls one inside another, yeah. one inside another, one inside another. Well that's that's exactly. that's basically so. what it is. That's the way it goes. You know, you have the Holy Spirit inside your spirit man, your spirit man inside your soul, your soul inside um uh, your body. So the way that God really intended it to be is that you always are governed, led by someone else.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: understand, by by another entity. Your body yeah. was never meant to yield itself. You understand? So but but we have been uh, idolizing the body for so long that now it's like, you know, anything the body asks for it, we give we oh, I want to dress, I got to have that house, oh, I see myself, you know, in those shoes. So we, we, we give in into the appetite of the body that we're not really listening to the spirit because the spirit is trying to train us to, remember, because the whole purpose of man is to um, show forth the glory of God. Through incarnation that's when Jesus came remember Jesus um, when, when Mary told Jesus um, son you know um, they ran out of wine please do something about it remember and Jesus said woman my time has not come right. so she w- she was basically asking him to do a miracle and right. he was he was basically saying my time to be glor- to glorify God through my flesh has not come yet that's I have to teach him I have to break that flesh but nevertheless, he, he did the miracle, which shows that we can also perform miracles. The only, the, like I said, our biggest obstacle right now is the trust. Is the trust. is like this whole teaching sounds abstract, just talking about it. But, you know, <laughs> there, there's so many other belief systems. Like I'm going to give you one, for example, Kabbalah, right? Kabbalah speaks about the, the, the majority of their, of their focus is talking about holistic. A holistic um, belief, and what holistic belief basically in your soulish realm, there is belief that you can tap into what we call the psychological realm. So the psychological realm is everything that is—I um, don't want to say control, but everything that consists of your psyche of thought. So what Kabbalah believes is that everything is made up of energy, right? Mm-hmm. Even even like if you're sitting right now, like I'm sitting right now in front of my table, my desk. My desk is not moving, it's not doing anything, but it's made of energy. Mm-hmm. So because my soul is made of energy, they believe that when we achieve that that purity or that, that level of of holy holiness, that everything is connected. My mind, my soul, my body is connected, you know, to the table. And basically mm-hmm. when we are one. It's almost, I'm not. I'm not saying that I can move the, but the table with my mind, but because we're a one, it is believed to say that that basically I have achieved like a oneness with the universe. Mm. Anyway, uh, I, I, said, okay. I said that to say this, that that just like you, you, when you speak about the spirit of man, the, the soul of man, and the body of man, they all are really one if you learn how to yield them correctly. You know, Paul had the biggest battle, Romans chapter 7 through 8. He said, you know, I want to do the will of God with my heart, but I can't Mm -hmm. because the flesh won't let me. Now, he's an Mm -hmm. apostle. This is Romans. Romans is the last book he wrote, believe it or not. It's not the first one. It comes first in the Bible. But Romans Mm -hmm. was the last book he wrote because after Rome, you know, he was uh, in prison and and then beheaded. So Mm. in Romans, he's an apostle. He says, that which I want to do, I can do. And that which I'm supposed to do, I'm, I'm, I, you know, my body does not allow it. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of condemnation? And then he said, thank you to God, you know, to Jesus Christ is not no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. What does he mention Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ perfected how to use body, soul, and spirit. Everything Jesus said, he said, I don't come on myself. That's the first thing right. to use in your spirit is submission, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing is purpose." So you have submission and purpose. And then the third thing is action, which we transfer into faith. See, we have been taught in the church that faith is something where you sit down and wait for something to happen. But faith is action, believe yeah. it or not. So you've got submission, you've got purpose, and you've got action. When those three come together, you will manifest everything that God has for you and things will work in your will. Because now your purpose, believe it or not, is higher than any natural law. That's what he says. My word shall not return back unto me void.
0: That's right. Okay. Um, I want to talk about uh, free will, and then we're going to go into the bullet points that you have here. Mm-hmm. Um what is free will and did we always have it or was it introduced to us when you know Adam uh disobeyed
1: God Okay um yes we've always had free will we were created with free will um the purpose of God and and you know there's there's I can't think of a scripture right now but there is a couple of scriptures I'm trying to think about it where it speaks about how God wants man to willingly come to him, and what God wanted what God wanted was a a creation, a being that would will willingly come and love him, and because of that, God did not want to control he did not want to, you, know, you know an autonomous being where you know you were told something and it would do it God did, did not want a robot he wanted a being that would experience that would love, that would hate that would you know, be sad, be happy, be emotional. He created us with emotions, you know.
0: Uh-huh. and He created us
1: very much like him. Believe it or not, the Bible says that though we were made lower than angels, you know, when we now come to the expected man, we will be higher than angels. So so you, so you have God, and then you have the angelic beings, and then you have men. But believe it or not, God made men very similar to who he is. So, God's whole desire was for us to come willingly to him. So, he created free will. And that free will aspect is in the soulish part, in the middle part. This is why we call the soulish part the pivoting part.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: man, man can desire to fulfill the flesh and go his own way, or he can desire to fulfill the spirit and follow God. So, the spirit is never tyrannic. It's never bombarding. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the Spirit speaks in a small, still voice. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, right. so God is God is constantly speaking to us, but very subtle, because He never wants to obligate us to love Him. God is love, so because God is love, He wants us to reciprocate that love. You know, not in um in a way where you know we're obligated or we're I terrorize him to doing that. That's why he said, with loving kindness, I have drawn a multitude, yeah. that, that we can mm-hmm. know who he is. We can get to know who he is, and therefore, you know, we can love him. This is why, like I said, going back to the beginning of the book, you know, when we talking about different relationships, you know, God allows us to experience love. And, and really when you think about the word experience is also very similar to the Greek word for exercise or to practice, So when you practice or when you experience love, it gets stronger. The love that you had when you were born, it's it's not the same love that you have now, right? Because because now backing the love that you started off, you have understanding, you have of course experience, you have investment. Into all of this thing put together. So that let's say, maybe when you were a teenager, somebody did you wrong, you could have easily cut them off right away. But now it's not, not the same. Maybe now you give them, you know, second, third, fourth chance, or have them any chances. Yeah. And see, God, and God is really teaching us His type of love little by little through life experiences and through life circumstances and through life's relationship. That we can get to the point where we can really ultimately have unconditional love and therefore seek a being higher than any one of us to love, an eternal being in that sense, and that being is God. Okay. You understand? So so it's almost kind of like there is an essence or a trace there that he puts us, you know, to, to want to love, you know, or a great being. And this is why, you know, like I said, I, I see a lot of show, read a lot of broads, read a lot of books. You know, this is why a lot of people say, you know, religion is just really something made up from the mind. Uh, almost kind of like a placebo, for you to be satisfied internally. But really it's not, because when you think about it, all the coincidences that happen, then that Mm -hmm. would be, you know, logically impossible for somebody, number one, you know, let's just take Jesus, to do the things that he did without computer, without records, without writing anything. Jesus never wrote anything down. How about that? You understand that? So, so <laughs> this is where, like I say, I, I I love I love apologetics. I do a lot, a lot of teaching on apologetics, and I also do a lot of practices in apologetics. But you know, Jesus never wrote anything down. Jesus never had any archives. Jesus did not walk around like the old, you know, the old time, you know, medieval monks did with mules full of uh, scrolls, knowing okay. the you know the word. He never worked on. He just he knew these things, and when he knew these things, he. Memorize him, so either he was the first case of having photographic memory ever recorded
0: doubt it, because doubt he, it.
1: even though even the old prophets had scrolls and and, and writings and all this stuff down, you know they're looking at his you, God told him to write a book, right yep so
0: and then um uh-huh.
1: so so this is where you know again, you know when we try to diffuse this belief and we say that it's just something internally that we created, then, and then we start talking mathematics and science. Then, okay, listen, so the logic, mathematics, and everything else is out the door because for uh, this man, if he was a man to fulfill and hit and, and do everything that he did is logically impossible.
0: Impossible. impossible. Right. Absolutely. Um. So, I like that. <laughs> you know, right. People always want to, you know, uh, debate, but, you know,
2: Mm -hmm. we got to make
0: sure we have the answers. Um, Okay. Um, I'm looking on the page here. You want to, well, you have who is God, who am I, the collaboration, the reciprocal relationships, five points of relationships, the science of love, a thin line between love and hate, relationship ID. Is there any particular one you want to start with tonight?
1: Yeah, we can we can speak about who who is God because that would be the next um and I'm I'm writing on that now and like I said as soon as I'm getting enough of it, um I'm gonna send it to you but um that would be the next part about who is God. Um, we we spoke about. again, wait a minute. I think we we did speak about who is God, right? You speak about that.
0: I don't think so. I can listen to the calls really quick. I thought we were establishing the whole
1: you know, scene of the garden as the foundation. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, that's 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 what we spoke about. Right. So, so but yeah, so, if so, we did,
0: if we did, no, if you remember, yeah. then you let me
1: know. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't think we did because I don't, I don't remember. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> but,
1: but the next, the next, um, the next focus, you know, um, into the book is really, you know, everybody tries to figure out who they are but what they do, you know, what they like to do, or who they come from, for example, you know, mom or dad, so you know they tend to um attach their identity to other things instead of going straight to the source, which is god god himself so you know the whole chapter about who is God is first of all getting to know getting the the the, the reader, excuse me, to know who God is in a very simplistic way i'm not talking about you know theologically. I'm not talking about, you know, doctrinally or, you know, so religious to the point where they cannot comprehend who God is. And I would believe that's what turns people off from church, is that when you start getting into religion, into doctrine and theology, people feel like, you know what, I don't have this degree, so I cannot understand something that I have not been taught. So the simplest way that I, that I can put it about <clears throat> about who God is, is to expose his attributes, his characteristics. Once you expose his tributes, his characteristics, then what you start to see is, oh man, wait a minute, that, that I'm like that. That that's me. That's me. And that's what the one that's what I want the readers to get. And uh, I that's me moment, so that they can compare themselves or almost see themselves um, as God sees them, and as and you know He sees God. So so let me take you. Let me take you for example, like. We start in Genesis, and Genesis uh, says, you know, in the beginning God prepared, he formed, he fashioned, and he created the heavens and the earth. It says the earth was without form, and empty ways, darkness, and was upon the face of the earth, and the very great deep, and the Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. And God said that there be light, and there was light. So from the beginning, the first two verses of the Bible, you see that God is a problem solver. yes yeah god is a problem solver as a problem solver sometimes some people say well you know what i like to solve problems i like to do puzzles you know i like to put things in order you know if you are the type of person because not everybody is like this and like i said i'm you know through the different attributes people will see themselves people will say well you know what i'm I, I don't really care i could live in chaos and i'm good with that okay that's all right you know you could see later on where i would use another attribute to maybe um, touch base with that person but from the very okay. beginning. You see that god is a problem solver so people will say you know i'm a problem solver you know what what do i do at work well you know i'm I, i'm a secretary you know i'm always you know solving problems over here or you know i help people over here so, so you can identify yourself with god from the very beginning saying you know he's a problem solver i'm a problem solver There as you see the beginning the bible said that the earth was empty waste and darkness and god started to put things in order
0: started to put okay. things in
1: order that is very mammal-like, mammal-like. In other words, um, when a mammal, whether it be animal or, um, or human, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a mammal, a lot of creatures in the world, uh-huh. Anytime they're getting ready for life, they start to get ready. We refer to it as the nesting syndrome,
2: uh-huh.
1: right? <clears throat> the nesting syndrome, right before the baby comes, you start cleaning like never before. You start scrubbing. You start picking up the cleaning behind the refrigerator, cleaning behind oh, areas God. you never cleaned before, right? Yeah. I think about when when baby Steven came, you know, oh, my God, you know, my wife and I, we were cleaning more hard than me, just cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. Everything was hand sanitized for this, hand sanitized for that. You know, so very intricate. Now, you know, he's seven months. Now he's like, oh, you know, just wipe this off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You understand? Because, because he's here already. But but we all go through that nesting syndrome. It's when man gets ready, uh, or mankind gets ready for life, for new life, for new relationship. Uh, oh. Case in point, uh, you can say, well, you know what? I'm, everybody's not pregnant. Everybody's not expecting life in that way. Oh, but on the contrary, you know, we we see it in different way. For example, you have the teenager who lays out their clothes the day before they go to work. They go to school. Why? Because they're getting ready for tomorrow. They're getting ready for something exciting to happen tomorrow. Maybe somebody's going to compliment me on getting new clothes. Maybe I'm going to make new friends. They're getting ready for new relationships, right? Uh-huh. Or maybe when, you, maybe when you were dating and you were older, you dolled yourself up, you know, did Jamaica real nice, you know, and you're waiting for that date. See, you're waiting for something unexpected. So uh-huh. we do it in different ways. First day of school. First day of work, you know, you got all, you know, you're the first day of work, you got your office, you got your, your pencils all sharpened, everything is in order. But, you know, come back, you know, two months from there, whole desk is in chaos, right? Because every, th- every time that newness comes, that something unexpected comes, that new relationship comes, man always gets ready for it. So okay. so God is expecting, huh?
0: Put nothing out there. Okay, I'm getting it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so then God now is starting to um, form the earth. He, he sees, he's bringing the earth back into an unchaotic place because he's expecting life. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm going to drink of water. So he's expecting life. Uh-huh. So then we see God that he's a problem solver. He's a nurturer. Why? Because he's yeah. going through his uh-huh. nesting syndrome. Now, then uh-huh. you see all from... Chapter 1 to um, the beginning of chapter 2, six days God labored, almost kind of like women, right? You're in labor, uh, bringing forth yes. life. So is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? So, but so you say, oh, and God is like me. See? <laughs> right, right.
0: Exactly. So
1: so God labored, and look what he does. He creates heaven and earth, he creates light, he creates heaven and earth, he creates. Um, the firmament, rain, he creates the earth, he creates vegetation, he creates the seas, the mountains, he creates the beasts, fish, the fowls, he creates all these things. And then, after he creates all these, mind you, all these things are in the world. After he creates all these things, he makes a crib called Eden. So he makes a crib called Eden. Because though man was born with time, because when God made man in one day, man was thirty years old approximately. Man had teeth. Wow. Man mm-hmm. did not start corner. That's what we call the day the one day theory, which scientists don't believe that when God creates, he creates things with time. Adam was one day old but looked like a thirty year old man.
2: Mm-hmm. The world
1: was created in one day but has millions of years. You know, in in fossilization and, and and carbon dating. So man does not understand that. Why? Because they try to understand God with science instead of understanding God with their hearts.
0: Hmm. So,
1: so then that's the reason
0: right. why a lot of people miss
1: him. Exactly, going, a lot of people right. miss them. Okay. At the same time, when man was in Eden, outside of Eden is where the dinosaurs were at. It's not a coincidence the dominant species at that point in time were reptiles, and thus Satan is also a reptile. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. He sure was.
1: See, so people don't get that. So, So God not creates a crib, and he creates a crib. Watch this. He created all these things before, so he's a provider. So he's providing Adam with what to do, because he gives them what to do by creating all the, all the birds of the, of the fowl of the air. So it's almost kind of like <clears throat> when you're having a baby and you buy the toys. You know your yeah. baby the first day is not going to play with those toys.
0: Right. But, but you
1: have, you got the leapfrogs, you got the one, two, threes, you got the building blocks, you got the walker, you got all these things. And he can barely open his eyes the first three or two or three weeks.
0: But well, you're me, getting
1: ready. Go ahead. Right.
0: That, that love, you know, cause sometimes exactly. because sometimes we, we, you know, we desire to give, we desire to show in different ways as to how we love our children, you know, all that, all those kinds of things. So,
1: um, right, so in in you know, that itself, what you're doing, you're preparing yourself to pass something down. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing when you get the one, two, threes, and the ABCs. You're preparing your child to get to pass something down. So, what is it that you want to pass them down? What is what are one, two, threes, and ABCs?
0: Oh, I mean, those are love. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
1: Those are fundamental tools to start up. So, 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 so you start. You're trying to teach your child language and understanding because you want to communicate with him or her, right? So, so this is why God, God created all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and all this stuff, and then gave a task to Adam to name them. Why? Yeah. Because God wanted Adam to relate to what he did. God labored, so Adam labored. And by God teaching him how he is, therefore they can have a closer relationship. Isn't that what we all come together in church? One thing we yeah. have in common in every church, is suffering.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the Bible says, your, your spirit bears witness with my spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what holds us together. You can have a financial burden, I can have a marital problem. But that sacrifice, that, that suffering, is what holds mm-hmm. us together. That's what Jesus said. He said, you're going to suffer for my name's sake. But it's yeah. that suffering that brings us together. So when two people, whether it's good or bad, when they have something alike, that brings them closer together. That's what we call a mutual bond.
0: Yes. Okay. Let me let me just ask you a question. So God is strategic in everything that He did to prepare, to not only communicate love, but to you know prepare him and you know prepare Adam, or you know even pass something down, right? So yes. he, he works in days quite a bit. It's not there for mm-hmm. nothing. Why the six day.
1: Why the six days? The Bible really I, does not, the Bible does not really tell us why God did it in six days. Um, there is belief that because the week has seven days, that God created everything in seven day. because really what that is, remember, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, was written by Moses. Moses also was the one who wrote the law. So it, it was almost... Jewish scholars say that the purpose of the six-day, seven-day theory was to really um, solidify the purpose of the Sabbath rest. The most, the most uh, thing that is spoken of in the Old Testament are sacrifice and the Sabbath. Sacrifice yes. and Sabbath. So that's, the, that's the most that is spoken of you know, in the Old Testament. Now... Could it be that God created it in six days, seven days? Well, we the scripture says it, so we believe it. But I believe that it was the whole notion behind it was to really give meaning and credence to the purpose of the seventh day or the seventh rest. So we know that not only is the Jewish calendar according to seven days, but also the Julian calendar or the, the Caesar calendar, the Babylonian calendar, which is what we go by, is also seven days, which means that, God did not have to start a new week to create something that he can do in, 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 the, in the fold of that one week. Meaning, almost like, for example, it's like us, right? We work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday and Sunday, we rest. So for you to start something Monday and not be able to complete it within that week and then start then, then complete it the next week, that means that you're imperfect because you need extra time. So for God to have started on the eighth day, which would be the new week, then that would show him to be imperfect because that means he could not complete in the time allotted what he wanted to complete. This is why we refer to the resurrection or the number of resurrection eight because the time of resurrection, God did not complete something that was incomplete from last week. No, he started something new, and that's Christianity through the resurrection. So it's more, the numbers are more kind of like symbolic than they are yeah. literal. Okay. You know, so that's, so that's why seven. If I had to say it's because the whole notion of completing something in the allotted time, if God had not completed everything that he had within that seven day, it would show him to be imperfect. It would show him that he need extra time. And we know that God is not about my time. As a matter of fact, he created time uh, for men, not for him. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm, he so, says, I, I am and I was. Amen. So who um, have we we talked about? I want you to finish with the different uh, characteristics. That I got a feeling this may be a few calls, but, you know, just on this. But finish talking about the um, characteristics.
1: All right. And and like I said, and and as I go on, and you'll see in my notes, I, will, uh, I started just with the beginning scriptures, so that you can see that. But all throughout, I'll take different scriptures from different Bible, like from Psalms okay. and, and you know, um, Deuteronomy and, and all the way to the New Testament. But you can see that um, all throughout, the Bible speaks about how, you know, God is loving, God is caring, God is kind. Like, for example, uh, you know, in Genesis, then we fast forward to Genesis chapter 4 with the story of Cain and Abel, excuse me, of Cain and Abel. And, um, you know, at the beginning, we understand the tragic uh, situation that happened between Ken and Abel. We understand (coughs) Cain killed his brother Abel, um, and the Bible says that Abel's blood cried off on the ground, and basically God got attention. So, you know, it's almost kind of like that intuition. You know, women say, well, I have an intuition. Men call it a gut feeling. That comes really from that spirit, man. So, you know, God is very much like that, too. He has intuition. You know, of course, His is perfected. It's called the Holy Spirit. But he also has intuition. Sometimes we we have that gut feeling. We say, maybe maybe I'm going to take this right turn over here. Or something tells you, like, you know what, don't go down the alley by yourself. Or, oh, man, something told me I should have gotten gas before. I left. So yeah. you have that intuition with that premonition, you know, whatever you want to call it. There's so many names for it. But really, what yeah. it is, is it's, it's from your spirit, man. So God has that, and you also have it as well. You know, when, when God confronted Cain and he was telling him, you know, if you do good, you'll be accepted. But if not, this is sin that's waiting at the door, waiting to pounce on you. So now God is, uh, is being a counsel. He's guy. Uh, he's being mm-hmm. adversary, uh Advisory. Excuse me. He's giving advice, mm-hmm. and likewise, us. We give advice, not just to our young ones, our siblings, our children, but we give advice to others. So you kind of start seeing God's character. If you fast forward in the in the story, we understand that <clears throat> Cain killed Abel. Abel is dead. Cain is now exiled. Adam and Eve are yeah. left. We know we know children. So. Here it is, you know, a woman who had two children, had a tragedy, tragedy at the beginning of her family. She's probably said, I don't even want to give birth anymore. Not only does it hurt like heck, (laughs) you know, but I probably don't want to do it anymore. But then God gives her Seth, and she names Seth, and the name Seth means in the stead of the two that she lost. So you can see God being gracious from the very beginning. God is gracious. He's forgiving. Yeah. He gives second yeah. chances. And and maybe you know maybe the reader could be somebody like man you know I'm I'm constantly you know just letting people you know step over me or run over me. No, it just means that you have an abundance of grace, just like oh, God really? is has an abundance of grace. You could look at it. You could say, man, you know this woman just had two kids. She couldn't raise them right. That should have been the end of them right there of mankind. But no, God gave them a second chance. And you could probably say, well. You know, you know, God is being, you know, taken advantage of. No, He's just Thank having overabundance of grace, just like maybe some of the readers may have.
0: Yeah, just like we have with our children, bless
1: them. Mhm.
0: Um. So, was there any? And you tell me, um, did He ever cut His grace short? I know, you know, some questions are going to be really crazy, but I have to ask you to get mm-hmm. you to talk. So. Right. When or where or did he cut his grace short, you know, or what was the reason if he did as to why he cut, would cut his grace short?
1: Um, there is really no area where God cuts his grace short. For him to cut his grace short will make God mutable. And mutable means that God changes. He, he, he diminishes. He grows and God is immutable, meaning that he doesn't mutate, he doesn't grow. Like, for example, uh, a tumor, a tumor is a growth, you know, it's, it's mutated, it's immutable. God is immutable, meaning he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So you see speckles of grace throughout the whole Old Testament. But the New Testament is God's flooding. Of grace. Mm-hmm. God always wants us to get it right. Remember, he started from the beginning, he wanted a family. So that yeah. is always with open arm. He says, Jesus said, Oh, how I desire to gather Israel like a chick, like a hen gathers a chick. So mm-hmm. God always wants to get us right. The thing was at the beginning of the old testament, you know, man was being led by consciousness. That's the time of Noah, Noahic time, from Adam to Noah. After that came the law, so the man was being driven by the law or or led by the law to expose our sinful nature. Then grace came along so that we can get it right. That's what you and I are living in right now, the dispensation of grace. This dispensation of grace is God saying, you know what? All throughout the Old Testament, I was bearing with you, but now I'm going to give you the time to get it right. So then now we're being they were in abundance of grace because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So God's grace has never really been cut short. You think about it all throughout Israel. You know, he, he, he chose a king for them uh, through David. Uh, how many times was David forgiven?
2: Oh, David God. murdered.
1: David yeah. committed adultery. Uh, David yeah. <laughs> lied. You know, David, uh, you know, he left the Ark of the Covenant. He got lost. The okay. Ark of the Covenant. How are you going to do that? The most sacred thing in all of Israel, how the first, not the first, the second king, you know, supposedly the best king ever, lost the mm-hmm. Ark of the Covenant. That's like I tell you, you know, oh, you're going to be, you know, president of the United States, and, you know, you have the Declaration of Independence, and you say, oh, I burned it, my mistake. In ah! you know all the history of presidency, <laughs> nobody's ever done that, and you burned the Declaration of Independence. So David lost the Ark of the Covenant. God forgave him, Right? Because of his humility, he was, uh, like the Bible says, uh, a man after God's own heart. So what I'm trying to say is that you see trickles of God's grace. The thing is that our understanding of grace has now been enlightened. And when you understand something, you can really be effective in it. So that's what we call the dispensation of grace.
0: Okay. So whereas you know, Moses wasn't allowed to enter the promised land, but he did get to see it or look did, at a portion again? of it. I said when again? Um, Moses wasn't allowed to enter the promised land, but he did get to view it, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Right so, 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 right, so a lot of people use that, they use that scripture and they say, oh, you know, God's grace was cut short because, you know, God excluded him from entering the promised land. And I said, Yes, that is true. God did exclude him to come into the promised land, just like he used he, he uses he uses one man as an example. He did the same thing with Jesus. He said, you know, through one man's disobedience, meaning sin has come, which is Adam, but through one man's obedience, life has come. So God will always use one to use to set an example. But mind you, that later on in Revelation and even in I believe it's John chapter seven or Matthew chapter Twelve, when it talks about the mountain of transfiguration, um, Mm -hmm. Moses shows up again. So it's not like Moses is not with God; he just physically physically did not enter the promised land, but spiritually Mm -hmm. he was not excluded. Right? Exactly. So this is why you know a lot of people look at that naturally and they say, "Oh, you know, uh, God will make an example of you and and yeah, that's true." But as long as your your blessing is spiritual, is not renamed. So Moses is still very active in ministry. The Bible speaks about him in the, in the Transfiguration. Jesus was speaking mm-hmm. with Elijah and Moses. And then later on in Revelation, when it talks about the two witnesses, one was Elijah, one is Moses. So Moses mm-hmm. is still very active. So people think that he's MIA. They're like, I'm not MIA. You just can't see me.
0: Just like God. Uh, that's the message. That's the
2: Bible <laughs> message right there. Isn't that a message right there? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not MIA. You just can't see me. But yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Who, who, do you have any other examples as to who God is, or are you still writing
1: that? Uh, I'm still writing uh, okay. concerning that, but, uh, you know, just, just to name a few, you know, the Bible says, you know, it, it says that God is a jealous God. You know, we we get jealous. You know, as little babies, we get jealous. Yeah. We may not explain what it is, but we get jealous when you see mommy and daddy playing with another baby. You know, okay. so we get jealous like he gets jealous. Bible speaks about in Old Testament, especially in, during Exodus, it talks about the wrath of God, the wrath of God. God gets upset. You know, we as human beings, and this is the best way that I would say to understand God, as human beings, we say that God should not have a right. If he's God... He shouldn't get mad, he shouldn't punish, he shouldn't cause diseases, he shouldn't cause turmoil, earthquakes and rain. But you being human, you slam, you kick, you scream, you throw tantrum. So if you can understand you, then you can understand God. Because you're saying you're saying to God, God, don't have emotions, but let me have all the emotions of the world. So at that point in time, who's really the God, you or him?
0: Exactly. Right?
1: So, you know, so all the Psalms, most of the Psalms, you know, it talks about the love of God, the grace of God. Mm -hmm. It it talks about the power of God, the might of God. Um, Every character in the Old Testament, uh, Adam, you know, um, you you have Seth, you have um, Enoch, you know, you have um, Noah, you know, um, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You know, Moses, Joseph, you know, Joshua, you know, Aaron, everybody, all of those relationships, all those people shows a little bit of God, a little mm-hmm. bit of God. You know, Adam being the first, who is Jesus called? The first and the last, right?
2: Yeah. You have, mm-hmm. you
1: have, um, you know, Cain and Abel, you know, who's who's um, basically the first two sons that Adam and Eve birthed out, you know, good and evil. You know, believe it or not, God created the tree of knowledge from good and evil. But people always focus on the good and evil part. But the thing to focus about that tree is the word knowledge. See, God's knowledge, he has knowledge of everything, from good to evil. God is not from good to evil. So when he was uh, speaking about Cain and evil, he also speaks about God having all knowledge. Mm
2: -hmm. Right?
1: You talk about, uh, you know, Noah. You know, grace. That's what that's what the story of Noah is about, grace. God is gracious. You know, the whole inhabitation of the earth. Um, I I, I did a, a study, and statistically uh, um, it shows that with the amount of people that Adam and Eve had already birthed, from Adam's time to uh, Noah's time, and some theologians say that when Noah existed, Adam was still alive. I don't know. Yeah, you
2: know, hmm.
1: that's an idea. That's that's a theory. You know, it's, okay. it's not really proven because because Adam would have been nine hundred and something years old around about maybe when Noah maybe started being in his I don't know hundred and something maybe. Yeah. So Adam was you know, some people some people are saying that. So don't quote me on that, but <laughs> I could find research. Yeah. That. But
0: okay. But what I'm
1: saying is from the amount of people that they have birthed out, they would have been at least three point five billion, I wanna say billion people in the world about that. And what? God wiped them all God wiped them all out. Yeah, if you do the math, because you know, let's say, you know, the two get together, two have four, four have eight, eight have sixteen, blah blah blah. blah right? If that if that would have been the case, mathematically speaking, there would have been about maybe two to three billion people, three and a half, something like that. God wiped all of them out. It started with six. Mhm. You know, and again it shows the the the, the numbers. Six people. Uh, you know, I mean eight people because oh. he had three sons, their wives, and and um, him and his wife. You know, eight people. Again, resurrection, starting over again.
0: And what so, is six you know, biblically significant of? You know, with seven for completion, eight for the beginning. What is six biblically?
1: uh indicative of six a lot of people say the six is the number of satan it's not the number of Satan. the only number that satan is given actually not even satan is the beast is 666 the number Mm -hmm. six represents man being used by satan that's what the number six represents so hence the number 666 Mm -hmm. man being used man being used man being used which really shows a spirit of procrastination or time wasting because mm-hmm. Satan knows that the only thing that limits us is time. So if he can mm-hmm. waste our time, he can waste our life. Remember, he's trying to go after the vehicle. If the vehicle is old and worn out, you probably can't do as much. That's why Ecclesiastes tells us that it's best that we serve the Lord while we're young. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, and, and I can give you a, a break. I think I speak about that. Uh, a yeah, uh, breakdown of uh, the right. miracle sequence from 1 all the way to 12 uh what that is. So that's what it is. So so the number four is the number of man, because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is three. Then man is created afterwards. Five is grace, you know, grace and responsibility. That's why we have five fingers, well five on each hand, five toes. Mm-hmm. You know, we that represents responsibility. The thumb is the fifth finger, the fifth limb on the hand, which represents a possible thumb for us to grab and have responsibility. Um mm-hmm. After five uh, comes the corruption of man, which is Satan. And this is why after five comes six. Six is the number of man being used by Satan. Seven, uh, we understand it's redemption, so it's the completion, the spiritual completion. And eight is resurrection.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Let me see. It's 926. Um, are we getting on the call tomorrow are you able
1: yes yes I'm available tomorrow
0: okay so we're gonna pick this up from the tomorrow because I know if we start talking now then it's gonna
1: yeah I started I was, I was tired but like I said you always uh, <laughs> know where to poke me. I just you know this is really my, my desire I really love to, to teach the word of God yes. and, and you know, that's one thing that if you wanna keep me up is just keep asking me questions. <laughs>
0: that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I am uh honestly, even even with um Bishop's book, just mm-hmm. seeing, you know, so many things it's a, it's so effective. But even in this, nah, don't get me wrong, I love I love God. I you know
2: Amen. You see that?
0: This is, you know, it makes me fall back in love, you know, areas where maybe I haven't been uh, as relational. It makes me, you know, become more relational. So that's why I'm very Bad. careful about who I'll say yes to as far as the books because Do it's right. like I'm going to go through what they're talking about in, in some strange way. I don't know why that happens, but I identify quite well. But this already is making me, even when you're talking, I'm like, oh, God, I love you. Oh, Father, <laughs> thank you. You know, it just. Lord, got it, man. Already, and it's only been like the fourth call, I think. So oh, man, yeah. So no, thank already,
1: you. That really encourages me.
0: Good, good. Be encouraged. This is going to be awesome. And then we'll put, you know, everything that needs to be at the end. So tomorrow, 830, if anything changes, you just send me a text and we'll, we'll pick up from where we can, okay?
1: Amen. Sounds good. Thank you.
0: All right. You're welcome. Good night, so I Have a uh, God bless
1: good night. You. God All bless right. you. Bye-bye.